0: So I started it in, it had to have been in, in around 2005, 2006 timeframe. Um, okay. And I started selling roller skates uh, okay. because part sure. of the the family, part of the family entertainment center in that I worked for, we had a lot of, think of Dave and Buster's, but instead of bowling alley, it was a roller skating rink. And so I got to know in college, all the manufacturers and distributors of roller skates. And so... Somebody told me when I was trying to figure out, you know, a, a side hustle, if we will, as when I was doing my accounting job, you know, sell something you know. And I know that industry because I lived it for the past five years. And uh so I called them up. And at that time you had to fax in your, you know, a, a retailer's application and all this, and and I had to go find a fax machine and I did that, and <laughs> which is kind of ironic because I was starting an online business, but uh right. the, the that's what I sold and, and I sold that business about eight years ago
1: welcome to the innovative founder The show where entrepreneurs get real. Real. These are the raw, the gut-wrenching, often hilarious, sometimes shocking, and definitely entertaining stories of innovative business founders who are making their beautiful dent in the world. No BS, no posturing, and no narcissists allowed. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the unscripted adventures on today's episode. Now, here's your hairless hosts, Bob Ragnariss and Brandon Boyd.
2: Hello, Founders. Welcome Hello, Founders. To the show once welcome. again. Welcome. You welcome. You show up each and every week. Loyally. Loyally. We you know you're out there. We show up on your smartphone automatically. You subscribe Ping. to us. Thank there you. Here we are. Hello. Hey, would, would, would you all do a favor for us? Favor. I just got Southern there for a minute, didn't I?
3: That was very nice, Bob. It's very
2: nice. Yeah. We we would love if, if, if you listen to the show regularly, just take it. if you listen on Spotify or Apple, would just love a chance for you to just give it a rating, give it a review. Those things really help the algorithm. Um, we're get, we have some really great guests and we really love more people to be listening. um the more people that listen the more people we can impact and that's yes. really what this is all about. um but thanks for thanks for the feedback. thanks for uh being there each and every week with us. really love um sharing these these really cool people with you. Um, mm-hmm. stories are what drive us. um stories are what unite us and we think uh we think the world gets a little bit better when people tell their stories.
3: Completely agree. What's really been fun in in doing this show now for is it almost a year, Bob? We've been doing the show. Feels Maybe like it. it. No. Yeah.
2: No. Uh, <laughs> we're we're, we're getting we're getting close to fifty episodes, so we're we're getting there. Yeah.
3: It's it's really fun to hear about how business is evolving with people. Um, is why you know why we love this the, the idea of innovators because with all the cool stuff that's happening now, AI and and just into the, fr- the fractional, you know, I've got a couple of friends who are fractional uh, CFOs and COOs. And now today we're going to talk about fractional CFO a bit. It's really fun to see the how people are innovating um, roles that used to be kind of this is the box they're in and they don't mm. budge. And, and here's the here's the bumpers on both sides. And now you blow out these walls. And people realize, well, gee, I don't need to put a full-time person there. I can put a fractional person there until we scale to get maybe someone full-time. It's just, it's very exciting. I just had a conversation with a friend of mine who's been in the tech space and he's trying to reinvent himself. And uh, and you know, we were talking AI and we we're talking how can you be the the number one go-to guy in your industry for integrating AI into this this specific space he's in. So it's really fun. It's really yeah. fun energy to be in that space.
2: Well, it 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 go it it really begs the question. You always need to be thinking about what the market needs, and what is the best way to deliver that based on where the technology is at. And, and so, you know, the concept of a fractional position just didn't exist twenty mm-hmm. years ago, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Yep. Um, right now, you could hire a fractional CEO, fractional CFO, fractional CMO, fractional COO right? Um, it's not that people aren't necessarily getting 40 hour a week jobs. you know, there are people that are running businesses or side hustles where it's like, hey, I work a job over here, I work a job here, I've got a couple clients. Um, be creative. like, you know you can you can get create so much leverage in your company by, by figuring out how, how to leverage people' skills and tech you know tech skills. AI whatever it is like you you could create something that is really really useful in your business highly leverageable and and is profitable as well and i think that's the the world is moving fast and the way people work is moving fast mm-hmm. so you know if you kind of stick with what you've always done i'm afraid you're probably falling a bit behind or you're going to be losing money pretty soon mm-hmm. yeah
3: and it, I, you know, you and I are going through the same exercise now with feed stories and, and and evaluating, you know, where were we at five years ago, and when what does the market want now? And and uh, I think it's, you know, albeit uncomfortable at times, but it's it's yeah. also
2: fun. It also keeps well, how you can we up. how can we deliver our service differently? Sure. You know, a few years ago, before the pandemic, we we made a decision. We need to be able to do video, high quality video, remotely. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. you know, w- literally, the technology wasn't there yet. Uh-huh. And and within a year after coming up with the idea, the technology had been. We just weren't aware of it, but the technology caught up to our dream. So, you know, you got to be thinking about how to how to keep innovating and how to leverage. Like leverage is the key. Like it's always about you got to leverage time, you got to leverage resources, leverage people, leverage technology. Um, it's the way to run a really tight business these days. Uh-huh. Um, our guest is a really unique guest. Um, we don't have many people on that are both entrepreneurs and numbers people. Certainly, um, people probably remember Shannon, probably not for her numbers stuff, probably for her stories <laughs> um, from the head office type of stuff. But Adam is a, a really interesting guest, really cool background, um, and really has this unique skill for, um, what, did you, what did you call it? Brandon, like investigator, what was the word? Interpreter. Um, interpreter. Yeah. yeah. So here's he's an accountant. Which,
3: no offense, accountants, but it's like you yeah. know the 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 perception you know is is like short sleeve, white manager shirts and a and a tie. And I'm so sorry to say that loud, but there's a perception and a reality is like he's an interpreter. And I think I think a good accountant is a great interpreter. Like, what do these numbers mean? I don't really want to look at spreadsheets, but if you can tell me what they mean and what I can do about it. Then I'm in, I'm interested. And he's really good at that. Taking a pulse on a business by looking at the numbers and interpreting the numbers.
2: Yeah. I think, I think one thing you want to listen to on this uh, podcast is just the difference between what an accountant is and what a CFO is. And, and the type of skills of each. You know, a good accountant or bookkeeper will record history for you accurately, which is important. But do you have somebody in your business that can look into the numbers, interpret them, and diagnose what's going wrong, what's going right, and what you need to work on? And that's what Adam uh, is especially good at. And, you know, there'll be resources made available that I I really would love to encourage you all to check into. Um, So that's enough from us. We want to get to Adam. Thanks for listening to us. Always. Again, leave a review. But for now, we want to introduce uh, Adam Lean.
3: Welcome, Adam Lean from Jacksonville, Florida, the booming menor- metropolis of Jacksonville. Welcome,
2: Adam.
0: Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. It's good,
2: good, <laughs> good to have you on the show. We'd love to hear, Adam, kind of what's going on with you. What what's what's exciting in your personal life, business life? Tell us.
0: Oh man, um, there's a there's a few things that's going on. Uh, the first of which the main thing is that we've launched another business that's geared towards helping business owners. And uh, it's something that we feel is innovative and that we think business owners will like, but that's the, I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later, but that's the, that's the, tease. Really exciting that's thing. a good tease. Yes. <laughs> um, what about yeah, on the I'm,
2: personal side? Anything cool on the personal side of things?
0: Um. I'm not sure there's anything cool other than the fact that I'm a recent transplant to Jacksonville, Florida. I grew up in Georgia, went to college in Alabama and then moved to Atlanta after college. And then, uh, we decided my wife and I decided to move to Jacksonville to be closer to the beach, to be warmer. Um, and, uh, so, yeah, that's really exciting to be able to go to the beach every weekend.
2: <laughs> nice. So you you just really don't know what cold is because you haven't gone <laughs> north to the Mason. I, I, everybody tells me, that. I, yeah, <laughs> and, everybody planted, tells me that. And planted roots for a while. Yeah. Like, my business you don't partner, have that, that Midwestern, like, just, <laughs> like, we're going to gut through the winter type right. of thing.
3: Look how tough we are. <laughs> it's cold here. Uh, I don't see my neighbors for six months. Yeah. But but <laughs> I'm going to stick it out because I'm from the Midwest. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I can't handle that. Brandon, my business partner lives near you in uh, in Colorado near a little town Centennial, Colorado. Yes, I I refuse. We we have quarterly meetings where we visit each other. I refuse to visit him anytime when there's you're in denial.
3: Why are you refusing? Why? (laughs) Why? What's wrong? Cause you're afraid, you're afraid I'm, you're gonna fall in love with it. That's what's that's what's probably right. yeah I think I'm blues. a true
0: Floridian. I have a heated blanket on my bled, bed year round. I feel <laughs> oh my like God, I'm seventy five years there you old. Go. Oh my gosh, Adam
3: <laughs> really heated blanket <laughs> yes. in Florida?
0: Yes. Come on <laughs> it
2: reminds so you me of that Seinfeld
0: heard... episode where he goes and visit his family at Seinfeld visits his mom and dad in Bo- in a uh, Del in, uh, Boca Vista. Del Boca Vista. That's right. And it's so hot there. They're like, what are you talking about? It's hot. (laughs) I feel that way. We have a developer. Can you turn the air
3: conditioner on? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I have a developer down the middle of Florida. She's like, oh my God, it
2: says I'm shivering. I'm under blankets. Like what is wrong? (laughs) You
3: have no idea.
2: Yeah. Well, good. So good look, stuff. everyone, everyone's got to live where they're most comfortable. True. Yeah, and yes. for Adam, that's in a place that never gets frozen. So that's fine. <laughs> that's okay. cool. We're not saying we're tougher than you, Adam. We're just not
3: kind at of all, it. Not at all.
0: I fully admit that you probably are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: But we're very similar to the fact that you're a serial entrepreneur and we'd love to dig into some of those things yeah, uh, for absolutely. sure. Um, we'd love to kind of hear about you kind of your journey to entrepreneurship? Um, were you one of those that started when you were like young in high school, or did you take a little bit more traditional approach?
0: Honestly, I took it a traditional approach, but I was fighting it. I was fighting entrepreneurship every step of the way. Looking hmm. back, I was born to be an entrepreneur. Like it called me but every step of the way, I wanted it to be traditional. I wanted to get the corporate job and to climb the ranks and to have a paycheck deposit in my bank every other Friday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but that's just not, it's not me. And so a few years ago, I was just like, okay, this is who I am and I'm going to embrace entrepreneurship. So that's actually how I know that I'm not a entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, cause I really didn't want this, uh, but it, it is who <laughs> I am. And, and it, it started evidence of that in high school, they had a uh, sell this, these chocolate bars, you know, everybody high school, you know, every yeah. school has you sell these chocolate bars. Well, the, to put it in perspective, the second place person sold about 25 boxes of 25 cases of uh, chocolate. And I sold over 350 cases of chocolate. And I didn't even know what we were selling them for. It was just fig- figuring out how to sell <laughs> It yeah. was exciting to me and, there you and go. I embraced it. And that was the first time the entrepreneur bug hit me, I think.
3: <laughs> Interesting. Yes. So I just had a conversation with my nephew in Chicago and he's, he's starting out He's in his twenties and he's, he's, he sat me down and it was kind of talking to me about his employer and how his employer promised to give him this bonus after a couple months. And that hasn't come through and his employer is talking about this and that hasn't come through. And he's, and he's like, well, you know, what do I do? I said, well, you know, the reason you have a job is either decide if you're good at being an employee, which is absolutely important and necessary, or you're unemployable, meaning you should probably start your own thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right.
3: And, and so my suggestion is start a side hustle to keep you sane while you are working for others. If, if that's what you feel like you need. That's what I did. I think that's what Bob
0: did. That's exactly so what I did as well.
3: What were your warning signs of... I, I, you know, I, I can, I can, I can resonate with what you're saying, like, I'm really trying to fit this mold. Oh, I want to be a, a company man. Oh, and I've right. got a story about that. Um, I really, really want to get on board with this company and raw and you know, and, and, and then there's something that just keeps pulling you back. Yeah. What were your warning signs?
0: I, I think the warning signs there it, it was three. The first was in college. I got a job and I, the, I got a, a really good job. I thought in, uh, at this family entertainment center, the, the, the person I worked for, she owned multiple family entertainment centers in Alabama. Cause I went to Auburn and one of them was in Auburn and I got a job and then she quickly promoted me to assistant manager. And then, but it, and uh, I really enjoyed the idea. And by the way, I was an architecture major, <laughs> but I really, really enjoyed the business side of things. Once, once I started getting in management and started seeing how things work, Um, I switched to business school from architecture school because I liked the business side of things, but then I took it a step further and actually helped her build multiple, you know, other family entertainment centers and actually grow the business. And that really, really was exciting to me. I had no life in college, (laughs) but it was exciting being able to do these things. And, and I realized that I, unlike a lot of people have the, 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 the sort of the willpower, the, the. Um, the, the gumption to do things that are not really asked of me. And that's like number one rule of entrepreneurship is you you have to be A, a salesperson, I think, and B, you have to be a go-getter. You, you, nobody's going to tell you what to do. Nobody's going to give you your paycheck every Friday. You got to get it yourself. And th- that was the, the first sign. And I think the second sign was after college, I was an accounting, ma- I was a business major and I switched to accounting within the business school. To this day i have no idea why i hated accounting i still do uh, but it's the language of business and so i thought oh well i'll you know when i when i grow up I'll, i need a real job yeah <laughs> and so yeah. i'll be an accountant and uh so i graduated with an accounting degree and lo and behold i got an accounting job in atlanta and i loved where i worked i worked for an amusement park and in uh i loved where i worked i hated my job though the, mm. the idea of sitting in a box recording the past was just mind numbing to me especially somebody mm. who spent the last 5 years at college running these these large entertainment centers and being you know a big fish in a little pond and having to 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 be the low man on the totem pole at this place was just mind numbing i wanted to get into the business and help it grow so because i couldn't do that i started my own business <laughs> on the sides at nights and on the weekends. I started at, at that time, This was in 2005. I started an e-commerce store and, and, uh, I found a manufacturer and I worked out an arrangement. They, they've never really sold to, you know, this new world of online sales. They never really sold to a, to a retailer that sold online. And, uh, I was one of their first and it quickly grew within a couple of years. I was able to leave my day job because, uh, because I built this thing and I was so proud of building something. So I think that was the second, second red flag (laughs) of being an entrepreneur.
2: Mm -hmm. Awesome. What, what did you, uh, what, so e-commerce store, give it, give us a date and like, what, what did you end up selling?
0: Um, so I started it in, it had to have been in in around 2005, 2006 timeframe. Um, and I started selling roller skates, uh, because part of the, the family, (laughs) Part of the Fable Entertainment Center in that I worked for, we had a lot of, think of Dave and Buster's, but instead of Bowling Alley, it was a roller skating rink. And so I got to know in college, all the manufacturers and distributors of roller skates. And so somebody told me when I was trying to figure out, you know, a, a side hustle, if you will, as when I was doing my accounting job, you know, sell something, you know and i know that industry because i lived it for the past 5 years and uh so i called them up and at that time you had to fax in your you know a, a retailer's application and all this and and i had to go find a fax machine and i did that and <laughs> which is kind of ironic because i was starting an online business but uh right the, the, that that's what i sold and and i sold that business about 8 years ago
2: when did oh. uh, when did roller rinks turn into family entertainment centers? Because yeah, yeah. like Brandon, and I and Adam, <laughs> I, I like for us, like the roller rink was like that was the middle school junior high thing. Like, wow, that was a big deal to go to the roller rink. Oh, my goodness! Like, yeah. And then all of a sudden, like it became a family entertainment center, kind of like a bowling alley became right. a family entertainment center. Like well, when yeah. did that shift happen? The entertaining
3: yeah, it, to watch me roller skate, right? without falling <laughs> down
2: groaning. Sorry. So was it a lot of rolling or skating? Is that what right? You're exactly.
3: There'd be a lot. of. I'd be rolling personally on the ground over and over, but not a lot of skating, but well, continue, please. If,
0: if, if you think about it, because this is this impact is, you know, this impacts amusement parks and other, other um, businesses that compete for discretionary funds is that you can't, you have to be able to, to entertain more and more people. And a, a, a lot of people, you know, the whole family, and traditionally roller skating rinks like in the 70s and 80s were really popular with teenagers and young adults yep. and then in order for the the owners to make money you have to appeal to other things like birthday parties and events and schools and and you know school of functions and 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 things like that and i think that that family entertainment centers started popping up like in the late 90s that included things like bowling alleys and laser tag and and Uh, to be in skating rinks to be this one-stop shop Um, because if you think about it uh, you know the roller skating industry has been in decline for a very long time because I think is is you had this large piece of land you know this large building that is open from like six to nine on a Friday and Saturday night (laughs) you know what I mean like is you could probably make way more money selling that land to other people. But these people, the, these companies that have family entertainment centers, they have a lot of capital to, to invest in something. And that's exactly what the lady I worked for in college did. She she owned a couple skating rinks and then we built a family entertainment center in Montgomery, Alabama that had the bumper cars and the roller skating rink and this three-story soft play center and the rock 50 foot rock wall. And it was a place for, for not just teenagers to come on a Friday, but the entire family to come and spend during spend their time during the week, during the weekdays, weekend days um, and you know and parents will drop a lot of money on things like birthday parties.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, much of these yeah. days yeah so it, it's interesting, Adam, like you mentioned that you had a hand in like growing that business and expanding that business. Talk about some of the things you got involved
0: in at the at the skating rink specifically yeah yeah Um, oh man there was a lot of things i did and i was i'm very grateful for having the opportunity because i was a college student and you don't have to trust me with it but i was able to uh i mean run you know the one of the centers we had you know 60 people that i was that i was responsible for and and led and and uh i mean i was i probably worked 50 to 60 hours a week Um, I remember one point she was building another entertainment center. And because I had, you know, one year of architecture school, I actually designed that, that facility and gave the plans to the actual architect who ended up building it. Um, I mean, it it was just a a lot of experience, but I think the main thing was learning critical skills in selling and people skills. Um, Because, you know, as you can imagine, giving a 19, 20 year old you know, keys to a multi-million-dollar family entertainment center, my ego was, was pretty healthy <laughs> and, yeah. um, you know, in, in, it showed, I think looking back, some of the things I did and said was just, um, I would not do today, but it was a learning experience. Um, you know, knowing how to treat people, knowing how to talk to customers and to sell, uh, I, I'm. I was, and still am, a pretty good salesperson, and I think you know and that showed through there. I, I was. I was able to sell a lot of different things to our customers, but I, I honed some skills there, and it was very, very powerful and helpful. Yeah.
3: Any good stories? Any good roller rink stories that um, that you have brought with you through your serial <laughs> entrepreneurship? Any? Any, I'm oh, trying to man. think of roller rink puns, but they're not coming at the moment.
0: Yes, yeah, so the, it's it's funny because there's it's it's almost like a a mini ecosystem. You there? You get a bunch of like at least on uh, on like a Friday night, for example, you'd have 300 kids show up. Usually they are between the ages of 10 and and 14, 15 years old. Yeah, sounds like and, hell. Yeah, and it and it's like, how do you get? the average kid to spend, instead of spending, you know, on average, 50 cents each in the snack bar, getting them to spend 70 cents in the snack bar and coming up with ideas on how to get more money from them. Yeah, (laughs) And because at the end of the day, it's a business and nobody told me to do these things. Uh, but it it was, it was fascinating to, to just test and experiment with different things. Like for example, you, you don't want to put on, you know, Thirty minutes worth of of popular songs, because everybody's going to stay on the skate floor and not want to spend money in the snack bar. So you put on maybe three popular songs, and then put on a slow song or you know not so popular song. Everybody will leave the skate floor, and guess where they're going to go? Yeah, money. Beautiful.
2: Genius. I didn't know
0: you were manipulating us. (laughs) Dang it,
2: Adam. Oh, that's brilliant. So yes. they don't care, like they don't they didn't really care that the the floor emptied when you put the crappy sauna on because you knew that was a lineup for the for the concession Correct. stand.
0: Totally brilliant. But but Genius. you want the overall experience to be fun because you want them right. to come back.
2: Of course. Um, but you want to hook them
3: on sugar. Some of that Velveeta cheese from <laughs> yeah, the nachos the dachos, that God nachos. knows where that came from. It's not even Pretzels. technically food. That's well, right.
2: cool. Yeah. yeah. Hey, this has been a great interview with Adam Lean. He is the founder, co-founder of BusinessOwnersonly.com and the co-founder of the CFO project.com. If you need to, well, let's just say you don't need, you should be checking into your numbers. And I think Adam has come up with a really unique way for you to be able to do that at A highly leveraged way, a lower fee way than maybe hiring a CFO is to be mentored and have a CFO work with you in a coaching relationship and a mentoring relationship um, so that you can get insight into your numbers. So head over to businessownersonly.com, check out the free training. Uh, If it's a good fit for you, you'll be able to book a call with them and talk about um, their mentorship program. Now, back to the show.
1: You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now, back to your hosts,
2: Bob Rickneris
1: and Brendan Boyd.
2: Well, this is is such an interesting, so an architecture student works 50, 60 hours a week, so you probably didn't have a life in college, but you did get to hang out at the roller rink. I did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. That's for every college student. Let's say it out. Yeah, right. You know. Exactly. With a bunch <laughs> of middle schoolers, like that's, right. that's that's kind of a nightmare. And then you you switch into accounting just because, like, oh, I guess I should do that. Yeah. Um. And then it, it's kind of funny that you kind of ended up in a firm. I guess that's just because, like, what you do, right? Um. But so, like, what? Now, so you started the econ business while you were working as a full time accountant, right? That's right. That's right. Okay. Um, was there anything like in the while you were working on the job that like, it was like, oh my goodness, like, I, I got to get away from this as soon as possible. Like what, yeah. <laughs> what made you want to do the side hustle? Was it, did it drive you there or was it just something within you?
0: it It was, it was both, but I think it was something within me. And here's the thing. I went, I was the manager, you know, the, of this entertainment center, these entertainment centers in college. I got a job at a in a amusement park in Atlanta, and I was their accountant. The amusement park is just a giant version of what I just exactly. did exactly, yeah. And I saw all these things that I wanted to have my hands in, but I couldn't because I was the accountant. <sighs> and the it was so so funny because I remember talking to my boss about this uh, while I was there. I was the first and probably still am after it's been 18 years, the only accountant to ever get certified to run rides, <laughs> because on slow days, I could go out there and, and just be involved. And I liked the idea of, of being being part of uh, helping grow the the company, but I wasn't, that's not my job. That wasn't my job. And I didn't like that. And I didn't, I could not, I cannot understand that at the time. I, I, you know, I just could not understand that. I was just frustrated. I was frustrated because I felt like I was tied to a desk doing something that I thought, the, that anybody could do. I mean, your your accounting is such a boring profession. It's a needed profession, but there's no there's a reason why they're predicting that in ten years, ninety percent of what accountants do today is going to be replaced by AI because mm. it's it's not it's it wasn't rocket science. They just needed somebody with some intelligence to put the right numbers in the right boxes, and that was just mind numbing to me. And it, so i wanted to do something and so i wanted to sell and i think that's the thing i wanted to sell yeah. something and create something and so i this is way before shopify this is way before big commerce and all these yeah. e-commerce platforms that made it easy i bought this software and literally they they mailed me a box that had a cd of uh, like two or three cd's and i installed this software that would build a website that had a shopping cart functionality and so, and, and a book, an actual physical book <laughs> where it showed you step-by-step step how to do it. And so I, at night I would come home and I would, I, I was so excited because I was building something and I built this store and the, the first iteration of it was terrible. Didn't buy it. Nobody bought anything. Um, and then I rebranded the name, I changed the name, uh, rebranded it. To something else still kept the original functionality of the shopping cart, and I remember meeting. I, I remember meeting. I went to this because I live in Atlanta. I went to this uh, club called the Atlanta Web Entrepreneur, <laughs> which is like the most geekiest thing ever. But I fit sure. right in, and I met at Georgia Tech, and uh, I met this guy who de- who did uh, what's now known as Google AdWords, and he did that for. Uh, for Google. It was a brand new thing, selling ads on Google. And he was like, Adam, if I could, if, if I can help you with your website, uh, I can get you some clients and, or some customers I was like, absolutely. <laughs> so we worked out this thing and he he started buying keywords and that took off and that really helped. And then I met this other guy at the same place, the web entrepreneur place, who did, who did what's now known as SEO it, you know and he helped me and so I hired him as a as an outsource contractor. I remember coming home, driving home. I had a, a Blackberry, I was driving home from my day job to my house, and I was getting off at the exit, waiting at the stoplight. And my Blackberry, you know, the red light that that went off, and it an order came through my very first order, and I was so excited. I was oh, like, yeah, is, I am hooked. Yeah, I mean, I was so excited, yes. and I went home and I like fulfilled the order and and then the next day I had, the next week, I had like two orders. And then a week after that, I had like three orders and then just skyrocketed from there. I made a lot of mistakes, but the building and the selling was so yeah. exciting. Mm. So exciting. And so it, it didn't take long for me to want to leave my day job.
2: That, that is addicting. Um, yes. I, I coded, I actually coded an e-commerce store by hand for a client. Really? yeah my very first client so i was working a day job too and i i learned how to build a shopping cart and e-commerce store for a client that i bought uniforms for my basketball team and <laughs> and the uh like yeah it didn't exist there was no service you like if you wanted a shopping cart you had to build one um and they used that thing for 25 years before they switched wow. to a different platform wow. but
0: That's amazing.
2: um that Like, I I just so relate to your story, which is like when when we turned that store on and we got the first sale, like it was like champagne, like it was like, woo, like, oh, my (laughs) goodness, like this is amazing. People are ordering from their homes. We didn't have to answer the phone like this is a phone order catalog business. They could not believe like people didn't have to talk to a salesperson to buy like that was like discovering fire back in the day.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. I agree. And, and it was baffling because some of my manufacturers, I won't name names, but there's a, there was one manufacturer that did not want to sell to me because they did not believe, they didn't think it was fair that I was taking business away from brick and mortar roller skating rinks. <laughs> oh. and, and it's like, well, first of all, it's not like this is, I'm sitting in you know my basement, i underwear doing this for free. Like I'm spending money on ads and other things, getting people here. I could tell you for a fact that you're, my competitors, roller skating rings, aren't doing that because I worked at one for five years, and I know a lot of other people that own the skating rings. They're not advertising your product. I am, though, and it was just frustrating because they didn't believe in the internet. They, I I doubt they still do, <laughs> but uh, it was it was just fast, and Aww. they also didn't think I could sell something that was footwear even with sizing online. But I did, and there's a I mean, there's a lot of people that sell it now. So sell. So, skates and shoes and and, and clothing and everything online so it's a thing that's gonna stay (laughs) those those
2: people right now in their backyard yelling at the cloud for blocking the sun that's yeah that's 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 what they're doing right now yes get off my lawn yeah that's true (laughs) so you
0: ran that business for for how long adam it was about i think six years um six or seven years and i sold it to one of my largest distributors um because (laughs) i the for a variety of reasons um one i think that uh the margin there was, I saw a couple of red flags, big, you know, red flags on the horizon. And one, when I started, Amazon was not selling, was not my competitor. They were um, selling books. They were right. Exactly. And then all of a sudden, uh, these, my competitors brand new competitors started popping up on Amazon selling things from my man from the manufacturers that I bought from. So the mm. manufacturers would sell, the same stuff to, to Amazon sellers, um, at the same cost that I was selling them. And, and, and because of Amazon, they're, they're a beast, it was eroding my margins. And so I, um, and there was a couple other things that I just didn't like about the business model anymore. Um, plus I wanted to do other things. Uh, the, the, so I approached my distributor, my, one of my main distributors I said, look, we have the same problem. <laughs> We're both buying from the manufacturer who is our competitor. So why don't we combine efforts and uh and and increase our margins? And so I I initially just wanted to partner with them and they they came back to me and wanted to essentially buy me out and, and hire me to work for them. So I did that for about three years and helped build that business, um, which was exciting. And then after that, I I started um a different different business. <laughs>
3: Did you so did that happen that merge? It did. Yep. I mean okay. How long It wasn't you... really
0: a merge. They bought they bought my business. I, okay. Yeah, so we didn't they, merge. Okay. They, okay. They acquired my business. <laughs> okay.
3: Did you <clears throat> Excuse me, did you have to stay on it any length of time or for was three, just...
0: yeah, I had to agree okay. to a 3-year contract. Okay. But nice. I, but uh, they created a new division for cuz they they didn't sell retail um up until they bought my business. They wanted to get in the retail business. And so I became the the Division president for retail for that for that company. Okay, yeah, which was exciting to see an entirely different side of things.
2: So, I love it. Wow. Did you did you start a side hustle
0: while you were the president of that company? I, <laughs> kind of. I yeah. um, I at this uh, before I even sold it, I started consulting with some friends in the e-commerce world, Cause I got really big in the e-commerce world and started helping other people that I knew. Who own who uh, who had e-commerce stores, stores and other businesses. And one thing that I took for granted was the fact that I understood numbers. They mm-hmm. didn't. There you and go. because I was an accountant, an accounting major, and because I did accounting for a while, I understood how to read my the financial statements. I knew what drivers in the business were were working and were, which ones were not working, and I knew which ones I needed to focus on, and these people were flying blind. And then when I started talking to more and more business owners, I realized that I'm the minority. Most business owners, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurial type people are experts in a particular skill or craft, and they start a business doing that skill or craft. So an easy example would be like a dentist. The dentist is trained in dentistry. So they're gonna start a business because mm-hmm. they're a dentist. They're going to start a dental practice because they're a dentist. Mm-hmm. You know, Same, you could say the same thing with marketing agencies or, you know, accountants, <laughs> lawyers. I mean, anybody that they're skilled in something. So they start a business doing that something doesn't necessarily mean they're skilled in financial strategy or business strategy. And so I started working with these people, these, these other business owners that I knew, and started showing them, look, if you improve this driver, this 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 lever, it could have a bigger impact on cash flow than if you improved this or if you focused on here. Like like here's an example. I worked with this one company that was advertise. They were advertising a lot. They had a a, a roofing company. They were advertising a lot. They literally had a billboard on uh on the uh, the local baseball teams in outfield. They had a, a a giant billboard. They were paying sure. like forty grand a year for. They had a ton of leads coming in, but that wasn't their problem. Their problem was that they were getting all these leads. They just weren't able to convert those leads. And what was happening is they were sending roofing project managers out to people's homes (laughs) and trying to sell them on a roof. And that was the exact wrong person to send. You you don't send a a project manager to do something that a salesperson should be doing. And so we spent like 90 days fixing that one thing while... I suggested that they stop all lead generation activities and oh, that was our last year's buying that billboard at the baseball stadium and and focus all their efforts on getting salespeople trained in that 90-day period instead of getting salespeople the actual owners of the company actually did the sales and that nice. had the single bit biggest impact to cash flow than anything else they could have done but without somebody like me coming along and saying, this is what you need to do. They would have still thought, well, I need more sales. I need more leads. I need more clients coming in the door. Mm -hmm. I need more, my phone ring more. And, and so then it dawned on me, this is a service that's needed. And a, a, a CFO's job for a big business is literally to guide the leadership team on which levers to increase in order to make more money. I mean, that's their job. They're not head accountant really they're the person who guides the leadership team and tells them what to do to have a more profitable and higher cash flowing business and I thought every business needs that but not every business can afford it because their CFOs are expensive. So I started an outsourced CFO company but instead of offering a fractional CFO company like most CFOs do is I started a product what I call product tie CFO company where I will come in and do a very specific thing for you every month, And then there's one point to doing this and that is to for you to dramatically increase your cash flow so that you can reinvest back in your business you can do more marketing hire more people buy more inventory and by the way you could pay yourself more but that's my mission you hire me i will i will meet with you one hour a month and i will tell you exactly which levers to improve to grow your business and and when i started advertising that i I quickly filled up to capacity and so when I sold my the the e commerce store I, and after the three year stint of working with them, I started, a formally, this CFO firm, and I quickly quickly got to capacity because this is something that people want, um mm-hmm. and, and need not, and this is the thing for accountants to understand. If there's any accountants listening to this, uh, no, there's not. But, okay, nope. good. <laughs> well, good. So I could bad mouth accountants. Yeah. Uh-huh. Business owners. Want to go to their accountant as much as they want to go to their dentist. But, yeah. You know, you need an accountant just like you need a dentist. But nobody looks forward to going to yeah. their accountant. But the accountant, if the accountant could do one thing, instead of focusing on just recording the past and making sure the taxes are done, if you could also help the business owner know what to do to have more cash flow, you will have a much more profitable business. So, anyways, that's what that's what I did was I stripped away the complexity of accounting and just said, look. Meet with me. I'm not an accountant. I'm a numbers. I mean, I'm a numbers person that happens to own a business that will help you dramatically increase your cat your your profit and cash flow. And I call myself an outsourced CFO. And that concept took.
3: Hey everyone, hope you're enjoying the show today. I'm really loving this conversation. More honestly, the more than I thought I would because I'm I'm not uh, someone who particularly likes to dive into numbers and spreadsheets. I can. a little bit of trepidation about that and adam has made it very very uh easy to uh to understand and interpret numbers in in a way that works for entrepreneurs um one of the things that you're not going to hear in our conversation today is a conversation we had off after the show and that was about case studies and adam's business is is one that lends itself to a case study and that is something where the ceo And the clients are telling their story from two different sides, where the CEO is narrating how they helped, and the client is uh, narrating how um, their life has changed since working with said CEO, since business over. And so we had a great conversation about that afterwards. I want to encourage all of you, all business owners, not only to collect testimonials, but also consider doing a case study where uh, someone watching it can project themselves into that person and say, well, if that's the kind of help they're getting them, that's the kind of help I'm gonna get, and that feels really good. Well, of course, we're gonna suggest that you do it via video because the video captures the emotion, the intent, the body language, everything, the inflection, rather than just a written. So if that sounds like something interesting to you and something perhaps to test the waters on how they can help your business convert better and get more clients, please reach out to us at feedstories.com. Com. Now back to the show.
1: You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now back to your hosts, Bob Rickneris and Brandon
2: Boyd. I remember when I owned my agency, hired a, a fractional CFO. And I, I think the thing to remember, and you pointed this out, a bookkeeper is there to record history and to make sure the books are accurate they are not equipped to give financial advice or, or even a controller. A, a CFO should have insight into looking at financial statements, looking into the numbers and diagnosing and finding issues. Like that is what a true CFO does. Um, so many of us just think it's, oh, it's a glorified bookkeeper controller. No, like what you need is is a strategic numbers person that that literally has X-ray vision. And it sounds like you tapped into something early. Um, Seems like that's a, by the way, that's what you do in your career. Like you get on the cusp of something early Um, (laughs) uh, like that. And that's really key, but like just going like, look, no, it's not just about getting ready for, for the tax return. It's about like, no, you, we can actually have a relationship all year long and I I can take, I can spend in 60 minutes. I could look at your books and tell you exactly what you need to work on. I mean, you totally. must seem like a magician to your clients. Mm.
0: Yeah, it, they they they're not because they're not numbers people. When I reveal stuff to them, they're like, "Oh, that makes sense." Because the the other problem with accountants is that when their clients ask them for advice, like, "Should I hire this person?" or "Can I afford to do this marketing?" or whatever, the the accountant will say, well, I don't know, but let's pull up your PL and balance sheet. Those are accounting reports. They're not business owner reports. And they tell you what mm-hmm. happened in the past. And they are they might as well be written in Greek. And they are confusing because they're accounting reports. And so business owners don't need that. They They need a simple way to understand what's working. And that's part of the appeal of this service is that you're understanding what's working without having to know accounting. <laughs> and mm-hmm. business owners love that because they want to know what's going on in their business. They, they know they need to know their numbers, but they don't have to want to have to be an accountant to do that. Yeah. And, and we're saying you don't have to be an accountant to do that.
3: Working understanding or what, or you're an interpreter. What do the numbers mean? That's and right. Are they important. And, and that's right. We get it. You know, Bob and I've been doing this for marketing and sales, you know, ROI and cost per acquisition. And these, these terms that are important to know, um, and and know how they work together, the relationship, and I would imagine that's very similar to what you do. Is totally. here's why this number is important. It's it's yeah. What came up for me was just you know how I have an accountant. I absolutely love her. She's a bulldog and, and just badass. Well, and she's been on I, the show. She's <laughs> on the show. Yeah, she's, she's, a,
2: she's a strategist. She's
3: a strategist. Strategist, entrepreneur. But, you know, she has to hunt me down to get everything I need to her on an annual basis. It's because I, I just, I, I, you know, I, I tend to just, just just take care of that. That's why I'm paying you for it, right? Totally. But if if I can have a better relationship with my numbers, that's, I can interpret this for me. So I don't have to become an accountant and, and you know. That's, that's highly valuable. Is this what that's this right. means? This is what you could do to lower your tax liability, yada, yada. So
0: I mean, oh. it, look at it this way. Most businesses, according to the multiple sources, most businesses will fail and they, and one out of every two businesses won't even make it to their fifth birthday mm. and half will fail. And a a lot, if I might even say all had an accountant and or bookkeeper. Mm-hmm. So having an accountant or bookkeeper is not the answer. The answer mm-hmm. is having somebody that understands how to keep the business in business. Mm-hmm. And that's the goal of a CFO is to be a financial strategist and a business strategist to help the business stay in business. And that's that's why I did what I did and why people like it. Do you have an
3: example, just, just for the sake of this conversation, of um, since, since, again, you're an interpreter, you're an interpreter mm-hmm. of numbers, you're, you're looking at spreadsheets and bookkeeping and you're you're making interpretations for people what is one of the most overlooked um numbers that people really if you had to you know you sit down with someone is there a common denominator that everyone you sit down with like yep this number right here or these two numbers right here we have to this this is the pulse this is the blood and your blood pressure is not enough or it's too much right. or that, you know that's a this- great
0: question there okay so th- there's not one particular number that fits all business, because every business is different. But sure. I think that one particular, there, there's two things that a lot of people overlook. The first is most people focus on the wrong things. They focus on revenue and they focus on profit. And and there's a lot of people out there that are focusing on, on generating more profit and more revenue. Mm-hmm. And that's not what you should be focused on. What you should be focused on is generating cash flow. Mm-hmm. A business can a business can last years without making a profit, but they can't last a day without making cash flow. Mm-hmm. Case in point, Uber is a popular company. They have yet to make a profit on an mm-hmm. annual basis yet, yeah. and they've been in business for almost what a decade. And they have yet to make a profit, but they're in business because they have cash flow. They have investors pouring cash into their business, and that's how they're able to stay afloat. Well, most businesses. In the in, in most businesses, really on Earth, are small. Ninety-nine percent of businesses have less than I think this this statistic was like fifty employees or something. They're small, and therefore they they don't have investor money pouring. I mean, think of the 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 person that was a four million dollar construction company. He or she probably built their business based on sweat equity or debt, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> and and not investor income because it's not an investable business. It's just mm-hmm. not, but so therefore the only way they're going to keep food on their family's table is if they generate cash flow, because if they, if all they do is generate profit with no cash flow, they're going to have to take on more debt and that's just not sustainable or they're, or the owner's just not going to make a liv- livable wage. So what we are focused on, that's rule. Number one is, is to answer your question is to focus on cash flow, but specifically focus on the drivers of cash flow, cash flow, the number itself, all the, and by the way, a lot of people get tripped on cash flow. All cash flow is, is the amount of money that's added or subtracted to the bank account balance last year. So if you had $10,000 on December 31st of last year, and as of today, you have $12,000 in the bank, you have made $2,000 in cash flow. That's all there is. If you had $10,000 on December 31st of last year and you have $8,000 in the bank today, you have negative $2,000 cash flow. So what we're going for is for you to generate positive cash flow on a regular basis that's the goal and there's multiple ways to do that obviously one of the best ways is to make a profit but uh, but again that's not the main goal the main goal is cash flow profit is just one of the ways to get there and so that leads into rule number two is focus on the the, the drivers or the leading indicators of cash flow cash flow in itself is a lagging indicator just like profit is and revenue what are the drivers that drive Profit and cash flow. So, for example, and, and it, I like telling stories because I think it makes it, it it solidifies the concept a little bit more. One of my clients was a doctor. He owned a large doctor practice that had almost fifteen doctors working for it, and he specialized in doing colonoscopies, <laughs> and which is a, a very unique skill. Apparently, I know nothing about that world. But, um, which is a funny story because he actually had me do a colonoscopy when he hired me as a CFO. Wow. Another great. Another story, which is. That's good band, so much, uh, we all want to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. one, so I was studying his numbers, getting ready for a meeting one day. And I realized that he, the primary way he got clients was through a general practitioner doctor referring their patients to get a colonoscopy. So if a doctor, if your doctor says you need to get a colonoscopy, I'm going to refer you to this guy. You, I mean, I would probably take that, I would probably go do it because my doctor's yes. telling me I need to do this. But so he would get a referral from a client, from one of his general practitioners that referred a business. And so he, the, the client was booked, let's say for Monday at 10 AM. Well, Monday at 10 AM, he had to reserve this. Operating this room for 30 minutes. He had to reserve an anesthesiologist, the doctor, two nurses, and, uh, and the office staff, obviously, to, to take care of things. But 60% of the time, somebody showed up, which means 40% of the time, the person that was referred and they have a room reserved for 40% of the time, they did not show up because nobody wants to get a colonoscopy. <laughs> Yet, 40% of the time, that high-paid anesthesiologist, that high-paid doctor, the high-paid nurses and the room was sitting empty because they didn't show up. And I said, look, I want you to focus for the next few months to get that number from the show-up rate from 60 which, by the way, that number doesn't appear on any accounting reports, 60% Mm -hmm. to 65%. That would add over $400,000 to your bottom line, to cash flow because you're not having to spend money. In fact, you're saving money because you're not wasting all this payroll and that. And so that's what they got to work focusing on and they did it. And it, and, and that's just a powerful example of let's focus on the drivers with the underlying problems of what's going on in your business.
2: That, that is what business owners need to hear. Um, when, when Brandon and I, you know, obviously we're video guys and storytellers, but we, we've been in marketing and business for 25 years a piece. We can go in and see quite often w- without, without much investigation, like this is your problem. Yeah. <laughs> um. You know, we had, we had a client who had a 20% show up rate on sales calls, 20%. of the leads that they generated ended up not even getting talked to. Like that's where you spend your time. Mm. You know, they got that number from 20 to 60% completely changed his life. And that's, I mean, that's, that's just going like, look, you don't need more leads. You don't need this. Like you just focus on this one thing. And it sounds like that's the type of advice you give at the CFO project all the time, which is like, let's, let's get into that. Yep. Totally. That's good. Can you tell us, um, you started a new venture. Is that the businessownersonly.com? Yeah. Is that the new yep. venture?
0: That is businessownersonly.com. And it's it provides CFO services to business owners, but in a very, very, very unique way. And it's really cool. The process that we engineered is instead of doing it for you, we're mentoring you. Okay. Okay. So you'll be paired with a CFO who will mentor you on doing this yourself. So instead of us telling you how to improve your numbers, we're showing you how to look at your numbers and helping you come up with what you need to do to improve your business. So it's a mentorship program where you get access to your CFO, but uh, on, you know, anytime you need them. But the idea is that every month we're going to prompt you to do certain things and we're going to help you Understand your numbers. We're going to help you forecast where you where your numbers are going to end up. Where we where help you forecast where we think the numbers are going to end up by the end of the year. We're going to help you figure out what are the drivers of cash flow that you need to be focused on this month. And we're going to do it with you so that you understand your numbers. And you don't even have to be an accountant. You don't have to be a bookkeeper. You don't have to understand, you don't even have to open up or understand how to use QuickBooks. We're going to make it very simple and clear. Which is what people have liked about us over the past several years, anyways, is that we're we speak like business owners, not accountants. We speak the language of business owner. And we're gonna make it very simple and clear. And we're going to mentor you so you can dramatically grow profit and cash flow. And we guarantee it. If you follow the process, we're gonna guarantee that you that you increase your profitability and cash flow over last year. That's cool.
2: fantastic. Um, do you do that? Is so is that a one-on-one relationship with the coach?
0: It is. Yes. Okay. It's a very unique situation. It's a a very unique, it is one-to-one, but because it's a, and this is how we're going to keep the, how we keep the cost down is that you communicate with your CFO via this unique portal. And so we're going to prompt you on certain times during the month to do certain things. And you're going to do it, submit it to your coach, your CFO, and then your we call them a CFO trainer. Your CFO trainer is then going to review it and give you feedback and say, well, these are the, Instead of working on these three things, let's just focus on this one thing for the next 30 days. And then you Beautiful. focus on it and we'll see a measurable, because we're numbers people, we <laughs> measure everything. And it, the dial should improve for cash flow. And that's how you know it's working is if you have more cash on the bank. Awesome. Is that, like a, is that like a year-long mentorship program? It's a, it's a monthly membership program. Okay, it's, it's it's a subscription uh, program. So you join, and you if if it's not working after ninety days, if you don't see more you know, measurable cash flow, we'll give you all your money back. But the the goal obviously is for you to work with us year after, month after month, year after year, as long as we are helping you generate way more cash flow. By the way, we're not even worried about covering our fee because that's almost never happened that we haven't been able to cover our fee. Um, we just want you to dramatically increase your cash flow. And that's why our clients stick with us month after month, year after year.
3: Love it. Really valuable um, service. Really great. Um, well, Adam, we we've come uh almost close to the end here, and we would like to uh wow, ask our fast. guests, you know. Yeah, well, it's, it's really good stuff, very helpful, very educational. Um, before we have you um before we have you kind of, well, why don't you do this first? Tell us where we can find you. Where can people find you? Tell us any kind of offer you've got going on and um, what
0: they should know if they want to look you up. Okay. Great question. So the easiest way is, is our website, businessownersonly.com. And if you, at the top, top of the website, there's a, a button that says free training. So we actually do a free three, it's a three-part series of training on how to increase the profitability in your business. So just click on that and we'll show you our process we're not afraid of showing you our process because we want to be very transparent. So we'll show you in this training. So take that training. And then, uh, and, and if this interests you, then they will be, you'll be prompted to schedule a call with us. And, uh, we'll get on the, on a 20 minute or so phone call to see if this is a good fit. Um, or you can email me at Adam at business Awesome.
2: Awesome. Well, this, this is a, this is a unique, um, experience for us, uh, a numbers guy that was actually personable, <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. With, with business <laughs> experience. You, yes. Um, just fascinating. Like, um, I just love, like, I, there's so much I relate to and like, I worked my way through college. I think a lot of us did. It's yeah. kind of a weird thing now that people don't do that. Um, it was just normal, work your way through college, get a ton of experience and, you know, people are like, want to hire you out of college is like, geez, you got all this experience. Everybody else has just got a diploma. So, um, totally relate to your story. Um, and you really have, like, I really think that this skill that you have, which a lot of people overlook is, is really something that could transform people's businesses. So many business owners struggle, because they're embarrassed about the numbers. They don't know what they're looking at. Um, I imagine you make it kind of like not embarrassing. You make it really easy for them to like, just come to grips with things and to get on top of it. And once you get past maybe some of the uncomfortable, embarrassing parts, like we get, we get to fix it. I imagine that's kind of how people approach you.
0: Not only do we not make it embarrassing, we're on your side, Yeah, Like, like we, we understand what you're feeling because we're, you know, we're business owners too. And we are on your team as your CFO, so we are going to help you improve your business. And so that's the thing with with you know with CFOs, business owners just want someone that they can trust to tell them what to do to make more money, to have a successful business, whatever success looks like for them. You know, I had a client whose success they didn't their success was not measured in the bank account. Their success was measured in how many months they could take off to to, to travel. And oh. so that was the, that was the goal, but I am, you know, myself and all of our CFOs we're on your team. And, and therefore our mission is the same as yours to help you have a successful business. And so we're, we make it easy and clear and fun, if I might add, because we don't look at, we don't look at financial statements. We create for you a scoreboard, a color-coded scoreboard, and we sort of gamify it. And, uh, it's, it's a really cool experience.
2: It's great. Love uh, that. I, I, we we want people to reach out to you and, and avail themselves of this resource. It's, it's so critical and so unique. So Adam, thank you for uh, spending this hour with us. Enlightening, entertaining. Uh, and I hope a lot of people take advantage of uh, working with you and, and, and taking uh, taking the knowledge you share and, and applying it to their business. It,
0: it's gonna be transformational. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure to, to be here. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Adam.
1: Thank you for listening to The Innovative Founder with Bob Regnerus and Brandon Boyd. A show featuring the real stories of entrepreneurs, making their beautiful dent in the world. If you like the show, let us know by leaving a rating. If you're an innovative business founder yourself with a story to tell, then you might just be our next guest. Reach out to us on InnovativeFounder.com and tell us your story. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on The Innovative Founder.